Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Welcome to Women's Hoops and Talks, the What Podcast. I'm Tara. No Cassidy today. She unfortunately can't join us, but I do have a very special guest. Today, I am talking to former Blazers outsider, designer for Flagrant Magazine, and one of the founders of Rip Twitty. I know this sounds like three different people, but it's all rolled into one magnificent person. Welcome back to the podcast, Alex Haig. Hi. Thanks for having me, Tara. It's so great to talk to you. I could not remember when the last time was that we talked about basketball, and it was actually 10 months ago. Yeah, that's insane. I was trying to remember if it was the last All-Star break, but you were saying it was just at the end of the season. So I guess, wow, it has been that long. Yeah, it was at the end of the season, and we gave out awards. I myself can't remember what a single one of them were, but I'm sure they were all (laughs) extremely significant to all of the winners. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, they mattered a lot, and you should all go uh, re-listen to that podcast for sure. Definitely, yes, and then tell us what we said. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Well, on the show, we like to get started with an icebreaker, and today's icebreaker comes thanks to, uh, it's a, follows on the game the Blazers played against Utah. We're not going to re-litigate the uh, non-call goaltend at the very end, you know, unless you want to. Oh, God. But the part that has really stuck with me about that is the uh, newest beef in the NBA, which I am so delighted about, which is Gary Trent Jr. versus Donovan Mitchell. I have no idea where this came from. It came from Donovan Mitchell's brain. That's where it came from. It yeah. came from nowhere but Donovan Mitchell. That's why it's so great. Like. I- yeah. Yeah. Awesome. I, I guess I don't know why there was a there was a what do you call like a mutual tech? What, a, what do you call it when two people get technicals? A, a double, double technical, technical. Mm-hmm. Um, on the two of them. And apparently it came from, you know, them uh, talking to each other. And after the game, Donovan Mitchell says, I don't see why a guy like Gary Trent should come in and think he can just punk us. And so our icebreaker for today, Alex, what do you think Gary Trent said to Donovan Mitchell? Any ideas? Dude, the best part about this is realistically, I don't think Gary Trent said anything. I think all he said was something with his body and it's called defense. And the NBA is, uh, I don't know, not familiar with this these days. Gary Trent Jr. was just playing on-ball defense with Donovan Mitchell, and Donovan Mitchell didn't like it. He thinks he's being punked because he's being well-defended. It's pretty embarrassing for Donovan Mitchell. I think if Gary Trent were to have said anything, it was probably something like, I'm not scared of you in this you know, dinky little town when you look like Littlefoot from Land Before Time. Like Nothing you can say really affects me. I'm not scared of you, Donovan Mitchell. Like. And the best part was that after after the clip went on to Twitter, Gary Trent Jr. just retweeted it with like a bunch of his little hand emojis and a laughing face. So 
as they say, Gary Trent Jr. is living rent-free in Donovan Mitchell's head right now, and it's glorious. It is, and we got to hang on to the little things <laughs> if we're going to make it through the season. Thank God that happened in that game because there is nothing else uh, positive to take from that other than the fact that we just, you know, scraped, uh, clawed and scratched our way to an almost victory. But yeah, I mean, thank goodness we had that little nugget of, uh, of hate from Donovan Mitchell, which is just so funny. I hope it continues. Like, in my opinion, Utah is like our new rivalry. I don't care about any other teams now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've, I've always had... A, a, a dislike for the Utah team, especially the last few years when everybody has just like said, you know, Oh, they're going to be so great. And so I always fall for it every single year and they are good, but they're never like, they haven't yet risen to the heights that I feel like people have put them in at the beginning of the seasons, but I fall for it every time. So that's on me, but (laughs) still, and I, ever since uh, the Blazers did not, Uh, draft Donovan Mitchell there is a vocal contingent of Blazer fans who really wish that Donovan Mitchell had come to Portland and so I just you know as like you know the mama bear defender of the current Blazers I'm just like how can you say that that means we wouldn't have the ones that we have so I've always had that kind of relationship I for one cannot think of I I can't think of what Gary Trent Jr. must have said because the only thing that I can think of that uh, doesn't seem like something Gary would say at all. But every time I think about this, I immediately flash back to Zach Collins last year and his favorite technical against uh, Clay. And obviously I can't repeat that here. I'm not going to. But basically um, uh, it was F-U and then a not nice word for a a sex worker. And so you can imagine what that was that he said. And he said it with a lot of venom. Uh, And I was just like, that is not something Gary Trent Jr. would say. He would say something much more like, I feel like he would say, well, you, sir, are no Damian Lillard. Or like (laughs) something like that. (laughs) Something a little bit more Yeah, yeah. Much more cutting and kind of psychological. Yeah. Uh, if anything. But man, that Zach Collins technical. That was uh that's an all timer. That's <sighs> that that takes me back. Yeah. That was that was so good, but it's not one that I can ever like repeat in, you know, out in public because people are shocked when I use language like that, which is not my usual language anyway, but <laughs> I just thought it was well, so Rip, funny. Rip Twitty made a Valentine last year that had that on it. So um, if you search our old tweets, you can probably find it and use it this year if you'd like. <laughs> That's awesome. That, would, <laughs> that was from the Rip Twitty account? Yeah, I think we made a bunch of Valentine, uh, digital Valentines last year. Um, they're somewhere on our Twitter. Uh, we didn't have time to make them this year, but they're, they're still on there. So And some you know people that are no longer here. We, ha- we got some Evan Turner Valentines, some Ed Davis Valentines, so some vintage Valentines somewhere on, in the Twitter sphere for you. We'll have to go back and and hunt those down and link those so people can enjoy them because it's almost (laughs) Valentine's Day. So um, tell me about what have your thoughts been just kind of in general about the team this year? I know that's like a really huge question. (laughs) Yeah, it's a huge question, especially for me, because I got to be honest with you, I haven't watched as much basketball this year as I did last year. Obviously, with Outsiders, you can't miss a game, but. This year, I have had other things going on, which I'm sure we'll get to. But like, 
I think my overall feeling about the team is we're doing the best with what we got. We are obviously injury plagued and we had a lot of kind of weird moves and acquisitions, you know, with Carmelo Anthony and now Trevor Ariza. Um, it's, it's just been a weird year. So I've basically just been taking everything with multiple grains of salt. You know what I mean? Like I'm not taking anything too seriously. In my opinion, this is just sort of a, an experimental season and, and it's kind of just like a killing time until, until everyone's healthy and back next season. But I'm not trying to be pessimistic. It's just, that's kind of how I'm looking at it. Yeah. I don't disagree. I, we it's hard to uh, imagine that with the roster so depleted I mean you never know what's going to happen but it has been weird and you and you talked about some you know odd different acquisitions do you even it seems like so long ago now but uh, did you have any attachment to or favorite memories of uh, Bays or Tolliver in their very short time here what like what do you remember about their tenure with the Blazers honestly I don't remember a lot about their play. I think I, I remember and appreciate and will miss the things that a lot of Portlanders remember and appreciate and miss about those players, which is how much they loved Portland and how quickly they, you know, sort of fit in here and just spread the love about the city and hopped on the bandwagon. Um, that was pretty cool uh, to see. So it's, which makes it even more sad when those players leave because they find a place they really like and they settle in, you know, at least emotionally fairly quickly um you know i i guess that's just the nature of the beast but that's always sad to see Mm -hmm. any players that uh have sort of risen in like become your favorites uh, you know besides damien although you can talk about damien if you want i just always (laughs) assume that's given yes it is given it's always damien it will always be dame um i mean gary trent jr obviously is like showing out lately he's he's really fun to watch. He's got a lot of energy and he's kind of, you know, that scrappy player. Like I said, with the Donovan Mitchell stuff, you know, playing like full court on ball defense is like not really heard of anymore in the NBA. You know, nobody wastes their energy on that kind of stuff. But Gary Trent Jr. is so excited to be on the floor. He's like, screw it. I'm going to play defense from under this basket to under that basket and back again. And like, this is how we're going to play this game. And it's, it's pissing off other players, which is obviously one of your goals as a defender. Um, so he's been really fun to watch. Uh, I would say he's probably the most exciting one. You know, I we're just we're we're so stretched right now. So it's yeah. <laughs> I don't think that anybody has shown anything. But I loved Scal while he was here. I was bummed yeah. when he. I was really hoping that he would stick around because I thought he had. A lot to offer as a bench player. I mean, I'm not, not like I was so excited. I was very excited for him that he got the start um, the one time three minutes before he got injured. But uh, I was just thinking long term that he was kind of the new Swiss Army knife and he didn't do anything like extraordinarily well, but he was able to do what was needed. So I was kind of bummed to see him go. And- yeah. I mean, he was kind of in that like position that we needed uh, that he just was afforded a little bit more playing time than some other people mm-hmm. um yeah that was sad to see him go he's he again was another guy who seemed like he was excited to be here I mean I don't think any player is not going to be excited to be in Portland you know I even had my doubts about Carmelo really fitting in here because he seemed like such a you know big market player that I wasn't sure if he'd be able to kind of settle into the smaller market team but 
he's proving me wrong there too. So mm-hmm. anything can happen. What do you see as some of the ways that uh, Mello has impacted the team? Um, I think maybe, you know, just be based on when he got here, it maybe gave us a little bit of hope and a little bit of sort of a different narrative to go off of um, to kind of give the guys energy and a reason to play. You know, a lot of those guys probably look up to Carmelo, you know, <laughs> as young kids um, and to have him on their team and to kind of give them kind of just a new take on what they're doing this season uh, and to have Carmelo have you know, reciprocated that sort of excitement and want to stay in Portland, I think has been pretty important for the just cohesiveness of this pretty broken sort of random team that we have right now. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, it surprises me that he wants to stay in Portland. I just, I did not think that he'd be okay with like what I looked at as settling for, you know, such a small team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, um, a lot of people were surprised that he came out and said that, you know, now that we all live through the LaMarcus saying that he was going to stay, I take everybody's, you know, talk about a grain of salt. That's now something <laughs> yeah. that I really take with a grain of salt when they say they're they're going to stay. But like Dan and I have talked this about this on the weekly podcast. Just the fact that Carmelo said it means a lot. Right. It, right. You know, right. The message. He's kind of a silent type. Like he's probably not going to show all of his cards. If he's thinking, if he's waffling, he might not say anything, you know? So yeah, I, I agree. If he said something if, to a reporter, it probably means he believes it. So that I, could be cool. I've been uh, kind of in awe about how huge of a celebrity he is. Yeah, I know. It's kind of, it's definitely surreal. I remember when we signed him, you know, I was just like, okay, I guess Carmelo Anthony is a Portland trailblazer now. (laughs) Like, I guess I got to get used to that. (laughs) Mm Kind of weird, but cool. I I mean, you know. You walk around Moda Center and there are so many people with mellow jerseys on. I mean, there's still way more Damian Lillard jerseys than anything else, but there's tons of people like with mellow New York Knicks jerseys on, um, you know, a few with Denver, mostly they're New York Knicks mellow, but it's just like, it's just weird to me that somebody who's such a celebrity is, is now on, on the team. But at the same time, he he doesn't seem like he's like tried to steal any of the, of the shine off of, you know, the guys who've been here and put in the work to bring this team to where they are. Yeah, no, not at all. It definitely seems like he's letting Dame still run the team and, you know, do his thing and keep the ethos. Right. Um, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, that, that's all. <laughs> I was wondering if you follow the um, the the entry. What do you call it? Like the pictures of those guys when they come in, like oh, the walk in out or, or something. Yeah. Do you follow those much? Oh yeah. I mean, that's like one of my favorite parts of. <laughs> okay. <the> excellent. <laughs> so I personally thought that until Mello got here, that the guys were kind of just phoning it in. And then after he got here, I felt like there was a pretty dramatic uh, resurgence of caring about how they looked. So um, I'm curious if you notice similar and who do you who like, do you like Mello's looks? Are you into it? And are there any other like rising fashion stars that you think are on the team? I mean, yeah, Mello, Mello has a good sense of style. He takes some risk, but he's not like looking crazy. 
Um, Dame has a good sense of style too, but like I will always go back to, we lost a huge level of drip when Evan Turner left our team. Okay. He was like out there. He took fashion risks. He was confident. He could wear anything and make it look good. And, you know, now we have, God, I mean, I think I've seen some like really bad outfits from like Zach Collins, like just really bland outfits. Like, come on, dude, you're in the NBA. Like this is your outfit. Give it a little more. You know what I mean? But I don't know. Maybe the guys don't care. I don't know if I would care, but I feel like if I had the money and the time and the cameras all in my face, I might, I might give it a little bit more effort, but Carmelo's bringing it. Dame's bringing it so far. That's it. I don't really see any like standout, like guys who are coming to take like Russell Westbrook's crown or anything like that. Mm -hmm. I think that you should keep your eye on Gary Trent Jr. Again, he's uh, not only been performing well on the court, he has uh, had a, Frequently, he's one of the more radically dressed. I mean, he's not like totally radical or whatever, but frequently he's someone who has something on that you go, oh, interesting. Um, You know, like a a coat with like a really wild pattern on it. Or he had this one awesome walk-up outfit that was like all pink shorts and a shirt. It was so cute. I totally would have looked terrible in it, but would have (laughs) liked it. Anyway, I would have looked at it in the store and been like, oh, that's so cute. And he like worked so well. Um, So I think he is on the rise. I, I have, I have enjoyed the, the Nurkic Collins. I mean, I would way rather have them on the court, but as them on the bench, like their little suits and stuff, I think they are pretty, I mean, they just totally look like nine of the Roxbury guys. Oh yeah. Well, they're, they're awesome. I forgot, completely forgot about Nurk. I guess I was just thinking about like the people in rotation at the moment. Yeah. Nurk's sideline outfits, bench outfits have been incredible. I mean, he's pairing it with like glasses and that hair. It's just, so good and didn't he say that he's doing the hair thing for bill walton like in honor of bill walton oh i didn't hear that all i heard was that he wasn't going to cut it until he came back he mentioned something about like he's growing it out like for bill walton because it's the 50 year anniversary or something i I heard i heard that somewhere so don't quote me on it but uh that might be why he's doing it which makes me love him even more (laughs) i know it's it's hard to uh, not love that guy enough or to love that yep. guy enough because he's so lovable. I was at the other, I was at the Miami game and uh, my husband couldn't come. So I splurged and upgraded my seats. And so I got to sit like really close and uh, I was taking a picture of Zach Collins because he was wearing an all brown suit and a shirt with no tie. And he just looked like Dwight Schrute to me. Like, I really, <laughs> Except for the fact, because Dwight Schrute always wears a tie. Otherwise, like, he totally, I was like, I don't understand the, um, the inspiration or the concept or, like, where he's going with all these, like, uh, like, FBI agent looking suits. Because they're, like, they're really nice and they're super high quality and they are tailored, like, really well. They're Mm -hmm. just, like, brown navy blue <laughs> i like it it's when he like, wears the yeah. really colorful ones yeah it's like they're not styled well it's like he just throws on the suit and thinks that that's all he needs to do or something like he needs to he needs to like figure out the whole look maybe is his problem maybe he needs to add a scarf a scarf a necklace you know maybe no shirt underneath you know <laughs> let's take some risks here zach 
freaking risks. Yeah. I well, hopefully we won't have to worry about it much longer. But I don't know how much yeah. longer he's going to be out. I don't even. I don't even know at this point whether or not, you know, how how much they're going to rush to get him back. I don't right. know. Um, but I want to hear some more about uh, what you've been working on with Flagrant Magazine. Now, we had Ashton um, on a couple months ago to uh, just as it was getting put together. So talk about your role with Flagrant and uh, what's been going on. Yeah, so um, Flagrant Magazine, uh, it's four co-founders, but I, Ashton won't let me say this. I'm saying it anyway. Ashton started this magazine. Ashton asked the three of us uh, if we would, you know, do this with her. Um, she wanted it to be about basketball and culture and art, and that's what it is. So she asked me to design it and lay it out. Um, it's taken a lot longer <laughs> than anticipated. Uh, it's my first magazine. Uh, it's really the first time I've used InDesign. Um, hopefully I don't scare away any buyers with that little t- tidbit, <laughs> but uh, I think I did all right for my first magazine. Um, it's just been really fun. Like it's, it's been difficult, but, um, because, you know, the four of us all live in different cities. So Ashton at the time was in Denver. We have someone in, uh, the Bay, we have someone in New York and then I'm in Portland. So we've all been doing this basically via Skype conference and text messages and, you know, coordinating shoots and getting art and interviews and stuff. It's just, it's pretty crazy that it actually got done. (laughs) That's the feeling, the feeling of like, wow, we actually did this. This isn't just something that we talked about. And then it kind of fell flat and we just stopped doing it because that's how a lot of my personal projects end up going. Cause I'm pretty ADD, but we've got a lot of really passionate women on the project and uh, we've all been kind of helping each other out. And it's just been incredible to be a part of it. Well, that's incredible. It sounds amazing. And congratulations, because that had had to have been so much work to build something absolutely from scratch. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I was lucky. I mean, I, I had very little like, you know, artistic direction or, you know, influence in the shoots or anything like that. You know, the two photographers and the other art director really took hold of that. And Ashton coordinated everything and just how everything's been put together from so many different cities. And we have so many different contributors uh, that we collaborated with that donated their time and art and just expertise to help us make this happen has been so incredible. And I'm, I'm just really stoked for everyone to see it. I, I think it's great. And it's, it's going to be out soon. Uh, I don't want to give an actual date, but they are in production and should be uh, at least in our homes uh, to ship by next week. So it's coming soon. Fingers are crossed. Can you give us, uh, any any teasers about any of the content in the first issue? Ooh, um, man, I'll give you a teaser. If there's any fans of astrology out there, uh, we've got something for you that one of our contributors, Sierra Smith, uh, worked on. Probably my favorite part of the magazine, honestly. Um, we've got we've got an interview with a WNBA player, um, and I don't want to say too much. I mean, a lot of it, just to be honest, a lot of it's like visual. Like we have a lot of articles, and there's a lot of really good, you know, content in there. But a lot of it's visual. It's we meant to make it so it could sit on your coffee table and be sort of a piece of art in itself. So. Um, 
hopefully it's really pretty and uh, pleasing to the eye. And then you also get to read a lot of good stuff along the way. What was the most fun part of making it for you? I imagine it was a ton of hard work, but something must have kept you going. Um, the most fun part. I mean, just the fact that Ashton trusted in me to lay it out was a lot of responsibility, but it was really awesome just having, you know, 112 pages or whatever we ended up with of just my landscape. Like here's the content, you know, they would give me the photos and the interviews and I would have to somehow put them onto a page. (laughs) And like I said, this is my first magazine. I've done graphic design. I do all sorts of graphics at my job, but I've never done like a magazine, something someone would hold in their hand and have to look at. Mm -hmm. So just doing a lot of the research and looking at a lot of magazines online and holding them in my hand to try to figure out what it needs to look like uh, was probably the most fun part. And I I assume that's going to be the most fun part going forward is just getting better at that and finding new layouts and new formats um, to use for future issues. Do you feel like with at least with the you know the the one episode uh, um edition that or issue that you felt like you came up with a vision that that made sense to tell the stories that you wanted to yeah i mean i think that's uh, that's part of it uh i don't think i'm quite that good that i would really be able to do some visual storytelling with my formatting yet uh but that, that's what I'm most excited about going forward is just getting better at InDesign and getting better at kind of like learning the tools, first of all, learning how to do stuff within InDesign, but also figuring out like, okay, well, what's best for this story? Like, how should this page be laid out uh, to be the most consumable and like, you know, pleasing on the eye um, and readable, really? Mm-hmm. So cause that's that's the learning curve for me, I think, because this program is new to me and so are magazines, but... I'm excited about it. Do you, this is like a a question kind of from out of the blue. So like, if you're not prepared for it, but like, do you remember like right now we get so much of our basketball media that we consume. It's just all digital. It's, you know, it's tweets, it's articles on blogs, it's articles on news sites. But, Oh, you know, back in the old days when we all used to read (laughs) books, you know, did you have any um, like basketball books or even not even basketball books, but like books or magazines that you kind of held in your mind that you thought about that were you trying to learn how to do this? Um. I didn't have basketball books. I vaguely, you know what I'm remembering? So I was a book nerd when I was really young, like in elementary school. Um, Like the Scholastic Book Fair was like my jam. I waited for it every year. Um, And there was some some book, I don't know, maybe you'd remember. It's a children's book about basketball, but it involved a shrew. I don't remember that. Okay, I'll have to find it because it just popped into my head when you mentioned that. Um, But... uh, yeah, I, I I had a lot of books about football, actually, <laughs> oddly enough. I had a, a biography on Emmett Smith. Um, I had a biography on Steve Young. I had a couple different, like, football books. Was, my family was big football washers, so I was really interested in that. But, um, 
No, I don't, I don't think I had anything that really like inspired me to do this project. Is that kind of what you're asking? Well, yeah, I'm just thinking about how it how so quickly the way we consumed information changed from, you know, newspapers and magazines to digital. And now mm-hmm. you all are going back to uh, digital and how mm-hmm. it must have been interesting for you to like try to, you know, all this information that you've been getting digitally, you're now trying to make it like tangible again. Yeah, it was an interesting thought. Yeah, so it's hard, right? Because and we were fighting this the whole time, you know, we were in production, which is like, some of our, some of our articles were hinging on free agency. Like if we printed it, and something happened in free agency, some of the stuff that we typed out uh, might not be accurate anymore. So it is a little bit scary when you're going back to print, you know, it's not like this information river where like, it's just going and going and going. And you might be able to see something, uh, you know, online as it's happening. Um, but we, you know, one of our slogans is digital is dead. We're sort of trying to go back to the thing that we once loved, which is holding a book or a magazine or something in your hand, having something tangible, um, to read and to look at and, you know, just get your head out of the screen, I guess, for a moment. Um, because, and this magazine isn't, isn't news, you know, it's, it doesn't need to be, uh, timely. We're, we're showing you photos and, and telling you stories that you may not have heard about if it weren't for, you know, the magazine or, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. we're trying to, we're trying to put stuff in the magazine that you probably wouldn't see on Bleacher Report or in Sports Illustrator, you know, anything yeah. like that. Um, so it's, a, it's a really different kind of thing. So, and I think that is kind of necessary based on how long it's going to take us to do these issues. Um, hopefully it gets faster every time, but, uh, yeah, we just, we can't really be about like what's happening right now. It's, it's much more leisurely and like, kind of a collective of everything we've gathered and learned about culture, art, basketball, you know, kind of surrounding the NBA and WNBA. Yeah, I'm super excited to get my issue. And I um, pre-ordered mine and I was number five order number 50 and oh, wow. I, I am 50 this year and what? it's the trailblazers 50th anniversary. So that's I'm, amazing. I'm very excited about that. I don't know what it means, but I'm positive that it means something good for everybody involved. It probably means yours is going to be the issue with the weird watermark that we're going to get like blamed for, <laughs> but maybe the weird watermark will form like into a 50 who knows. Yeah. Yeah, or maybe yeah. it'll have a golden ticket in it and, you know, I'll win it or the, <laughs> you know, the the Blazers will win the championship or something. I Oh god. Somehow. You know, as much as I want that to happen, Tara, can it happen in a season where I've actually watched all of the games because this is my biggest fear <laughs> right now. I'm not wishing that it won't happen, but I'm so scared that it's going to happen this season where I have been such a bad fan. Well, you've been so busy with Flagrant Magazine, but maybe, you know, for a couple of weeks, you'll have time to like, you know, get to uh, come up for air um, after the All-Star break. And when Nurkic comes back, when we will all be glued to our TVs waiting for him to come back. Um, One more thing on Flagrant. Do you want to tell folks how uh, they can get a copy? Yeah. um, So... Pre-orders are basically still open, but at this point you're just ordering because we're almost we almost have them. But if you go to flagrantmag.com um, and click on orders, they'll be right there. Issue one, 
on um, you can go on our Twitter and click the link. We have our pin tweet has the link to it as well. Um, also, we are going to be selling at a few Portland locations, um, Laundry PDX in Chinatown and Deadstock Coffee uh, in Chinatown. We'll be carrying the magazine as soon as we get them. So you can get them a lot of places. Yeah. So old school. How fun. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't wait to get my copy. And um, it's just been lovely to talk to you and get caught up with you. Um, it's been far too long. Uh, before we sign off, is there any other um, social media you want to share with people so they can find you? Maybe also um, Twitty? Yeah, I mean, follow me at Owl Hicks, follow Rip Twitty at Rip Twitty, follow Flagrant Mag at flagrant mag um on instagram and on twitter and you know you'll really be sick of me if you follow all that stuff so but it's all super fun and entertaining stuff so (laughs) you'll you'll also be entertained so (laughs) that that might be true (laughs) well uh i'll sign off with my social media tcb bigs on twitter follow blazers edge at blazers edge follow the hoops and talks podcast at hoops and talks find the podcast in the blazers edge podcast feed you can send us emails we love your emails hoops and talks at gmail.com give us your ideas for icebreakers tell us how much you love your copy of flagrant magazine when it comes in the mail and uh that'll do it for now we're got the um the all-star game coming up we'll have a special guest next week to go over what happened over all-star weekend and we will talk to you later bye bye